It would be a scandal, and that was the least of it. Casey Dowling was trying to squeeze an admission from her husband, but Marcus wasn't having it. What the hell, Casey? he snapped. I wasn't staring at Sheila's boobs, for Christ's sake. Every single time we get together with people, you complain that I'm leering, and frankly, sweetheart, I find your paranoia very unattractive. Oh, no, Marcus, you leer at another woman? I'm so ashamed of myself for even having had the thought. Silly cow, Marcus Dowling muttered. Sarah imagined his handsome face, the thick gray hair falling across his brow as he scowled. She imagined Casey, too, her willowy shape, her white blonde hair falling in a silvery sheet to her shoulder blades. Casey cooed. There, there, I've hurt your feelings. Forget it, love. I'm not in the mood now. Oh, sorry. My mistake. Sarah felt the rebuff as if it had happened to her. Then Marcus said, Oh, for pity's sake, don't cry. Come here. The room went quiet for a few minutes, until Sarah heard a whoosh of bodies falling into plumped bedding, then murmuring, words she couldn't make out. Then the headboard began to tap against the wall, and Sarah thought, Oh, dear God, they're doing it. Images came to her of Marcus Dowling in Susan and James with Jennifer Lowe and in Red Boy with Kimberly Carey. She thought of Casey in Marcus's arms, her long legs wrapped around him. The tapping became more rhythmic, and the moaning became louder, and then there was a long, groaning exhalation from Marcus, and then, mercifully, it was over. Someone used the bathroom after that, and finally the room went black. Sarah squatted quietly behind the curtain of gowns for at least twenty minutes, and when the breathing outside the closet settled into sputters and snores, she opened the door and crawled to the window. She was almost home free, but not there yet. Sarah was quick and quiet as she vaulted to the windowsill, but when one leg followed the other, she hit the side of the console table and it all went wrong. There was a tinkling of sliding whatnots as the table tipped and then crashed, sending its load of picture frames and perfume bottles to the floor. Holy crap! Sarah froze, mind and body, as Casey Dowling bolted into a sitting position and yelled, Who's there? Sarah's stark fear propelled her out the window. She hung onto the sill with all the strength in her fingertips, then released her grip and made the ten-foot drop. She landed on grass, knees bent, no pain, and as the Dowling's bedroom light came on overhead, Sarah ran. She ripped off her headlamp and stuffed it into one of the duffels as she sprinted through the upscale San Francisco neighborhood of Knob Hill. A few minutes later, Sarah found her old Saturn where she'd left it in the parking lot outside a drugstore. She got into the car, closed the door, and locked it, as if that could keep out her fear. She started up the engine and released the handbrake, still panting, trying not to throw up as she drove toward home. When she hit the straightaway of Pine Street, Sarah pulled off her cap and gloves, wiped her brow with the back of her hand, and thought hard about her escape from the Dowling's bedroom.
She'd left nothing. No tools, no prints, no DNA, no nothing. For now, at least, she was safe. Honestly, she didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. Casey's eyes flew open in the dark. Something had crashed. The table by the window. She felt a breeze on her face. The window was open. They never opened that window. Someone was inside the house. Casey sat up. Who's there? She clutched the blankets to her chin and screamed. Mark, someone is in the room. Her husband groaned. You're dreaming. Go back to sleep. Wake up. Someone is here, she hissed. Casey fumbled with the table lamp, knocked her glasses onto the floor, found the switch, and turned on the light. There, the console table was turned over.